just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Welcome back to the Rational Boomer Podcast. I want to thank all of those that have subscribed and all of those that take the time to listen to the show. It's much appreciated. I've got a couple of things I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the problem with media, and I want to talk about the transportation bill. Let's start out with the media. As some of you know, and I've said it before, I worked in the media probably 40 years. Not constantly, but mostly for 40 years. I worked at small radio stations, big radio stations, news radio stations, music radio stations, all sports radio stations. I've done some TV, and I've also written for some print media as well. Now, there's a lot of people over the last several years that want to blame media for the problems in this country. Well, I tend to agree with them. Not exclusively responsible for the problems in this country, but they have sure been a part of why we have problems in this country. And the reason we have problems is because we no longer have a little thing I like to call journalism. Now, journalism, for those of you that don't quite know what that means, I'll put it in very basic terms. It means delivering facts and information to people and allowing them to make their own decisions and form their own opinions about what's going on. No hyperbole, no slants, no opinions, nothing like that. Now, that said, there have been over the years uh, many people giving opinions on newscasts and that sort of thing, but that's always segmented away from the news. People doing an opinion piece. You know it's an opinion piece. You can take that for what it's worth. But when you sit down and listen to a newscaster or a reporter of some point, you would like to believe that they're employing journalism. That is the essence of their job. And again, I'll say it again. Journalism amounts to delivering facts and information. No opinions, just facts and information. So people like us, can then listen and then decide what we think, what we believe from that. Now, back in the 50s, 60s, even the 70s, you had people like Walter Cronkite or Huntley and Brinkley, who were the national newscasters in this country. Now, Walter Cronkite, at one point, was called the most trusted man in the country. He was like your grandpa. He was sitting up there. He was telling you what it was. Um, I still remember when he reported that John F. Kennedy died. The video's out there. You can see it. Uh, you can see this man is actually getting emotional over it. But even still, even though he was getting emotional, he was hurt by this thing. He did nothing but give the facts. And that's what the audience deserved at that point. There was no reason for opinion because nobody knew anything for sure. He gave the facts. He was clearly upset. And that in itself kind of offers up an opinion. But you can't fault the guy for having some emotions over the president being killed, assassinated. But still, he stuck to the facts. Same with Huntley and Brinkley and 
many other national newscasters. That's what they did. They gave you the facts. You made the choices of what you believed, and you could do some further investigation if you needed more. That's not what, what's happening today. It, has, it hasn't happened for a long time because everything you watch or hear or read is slanted to some extent. Now, there are some exceptions. I've heard people say that NPR is better. I don't know. They tend to be more liberal. Uh, BBC, coming out of uh, Britain, they do tend to be more journalistic. But not a lot of people in this country watch or listen to BBC. They probably should, but, but they don't because they figure they're from a different country. But in this country, it is hard-pressed to find a legitimate journalistic source. Now, of course, you've got the Fox, the OAN, um, Newsmax. These are the worst of the worst. They not only put out opinion and slant things, but they deliver flat-out lies, and then they try to back it up. They double down on it. They are feeding a faction of people of nothing but lies. And that is probably the most troublesome in this country currently because people will watch this and believe it. Now, we know Fox News isn't even classified a news source, but that's how they act. And if people aren't paying attention or they're not smart enough to grasp it, they see them as the news. And Fox News knows this, and they play off of it. And that is absolutely the most egregious thing to do to this country. You're doing what is almost satire, and you're delivering it to people as news and making them believe it's news. You're making a whole faction of people in this country totally uninformed and not have any sense of what reality is in this country. Now, you're going to say to me, well, you're just liberal, so you're mad at the uh, conservatives. No, no, that's not the case. Because you can take CNN... MSNBC or any of these other uh, more liberal type networks, and you're getting something similar. You see, CNN, NBC, and some of the liberal outlets aren't outright lying like uh, Newsmax and OAN and Fox News are, but they are slanting what they're saying. There's always a hint of opinion in what you see these newscasters tell you, um, even with the Donald Trump thing. Now, people will say, you're, you're against Donald Trump. Yes, I am, but I'm not a newsman. I'm just a guy giving my opinion, and I have a right to my opinion. I have a right to listen to Fox, CNN, and then dig for myself and find out the true facts and the true information. That's how I do it. That's how I form my opinions, and that's how we all should form our opinions. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't have time or the motivation. Some people don't have the intellect to even accomplish that. They just want to sit back, eat their dinner, and have, have somebody spoon-feed them information that they will in turn regurgitate to other people as if it is fact. So when CNN or MSNBC or some of these liberal outlets talk and they slant it more liberal, that in fact is not journalism. Journalism should not be slanted at all. It should be just the facts. But when you watch CNN and, and MSNBC and some of these others, they're definitely slanted. Now, here's what happens. People who tend one way or the other, 
feel more comfortable listening to whichever media fits their agenda. If you're a hardcore Republican Trumper, you're listening to Fox. They're your guys. They're on your side. So you're going to listen to them and believe them. The same thing goes for the people on the liberal side. If you're against Trump or against the Republicans, you're going to listen to the uh, uh, more liberal sides and say, these are my guys. But again, that's a complete departure from what journalism actually is. You can't give lies and you can't slant the facts, but both do it. Now, why this is troublesome in this country and why the media is as much a culprit in the problems and the divisiveness we have in this society is that this is the way that most people get their information. Now, if everybody just put out facts and people had a right to give their opinion, then you might not have so much divisiveness. But I can listen to somebody on the, uh, the conservative side say things that are absolutely false and believe it till their death. You can't change their mind. You got the people on the liberal side that might do the same thing and will be appalled by what the people on the conservative side say. Now, none of these people are probably, well, I won't say none, but most of these people aren't digging in on the facts, looking at the facts. They're taking what they hear, they're taking it as gospel, and that's their opinion at that moment. And that's where the divisiveness starts. These people will never come together because the information they're getting is totally different than the other one's getting. Both believe that it's absolute truth and absolute um, to, to journalistic standards, but it's not. It's definitely not. As I said, I've worked in uh, radio stations. I've done news. Now, back in the day in the 70s and 80s and such, when I was doing media more consistently, I'd been a news director. I've been a sports person, play-by-play. And I've been uh, a traffic announcer. And each one of those cases, if you didn't deliver the facts, you were taken to task. Now, if I'm doing news on a radio station I might have worked in in the past, if I read a story and then gave an opinion after the fact, or I just told a lie, I would have a boss coming down to me, pounding me on the head and probably firing me. Or if I did a sports event, a play-by-play of a sports event, and I was one-sided. The uh, um, the people would complain, and I would have a problem. People expected the truth, and they expected it to be unbiased. Now, there's only one situation where I was completely biased and completely justified, and I still got heat for it. My kids were playing football at the high school level. Everybody knew I was an announcer at one point or another, so they said, we need a PA announcer to do the home games for your kid's high school team. Would you do it? And I said, yeah, I'll do it. So I did it. (laughs) And now this was the first year for the high school. So this team was horrible. They had no consistency. They, you know, they didn't even have any seniors on the team at this point. So they were going to get pounded every game. But you still wanted to draw a crowd and he had to kind of, as a PA announcer, I had to kind of accentuate the, the positives on a team that had very few. Plus, my son and 
His friends were on the team, so it's hard not to be biased. But I'm not delivering news. I'm just describing what people see in real time. So these kids were getting pounded on, pounded on, pounded on. And I'd give somebody something to take joy in. And I would do that. I would just be uh, somebody that was kind of a rooter for it. And in, in actuality, if you go to most high school games and you have the home team PA guy or gal, they're going to be one-sided. That's expected. It's your team. But people are still able to see exactly what happened. So you can't be too far off of the truth. Maybe you get a little more excited about a touchdown, the first touchdown of the year after three games. Okay, yeah, I did that. And I didn't think much of it. The people who were in the stands for our team liked it. But one day, one day, somebody on the other side, now keep in mind, their team just beat our team like 35 to nothing. But one woman, dare I say a Karen, but this was, you know, 15 years ago, dare I say a Karen, said, I think your PA guy's biased. (laughs) So jokingly, the parent who heard this mentioned it to the athletic director. Now, the athletic director I wasn't really fond of because he was kind of a jerk, and I don't really think he did his job, and he was getting paid a lot of money not to do his job. But I never confronted him. I never bitched about it. It wasn't my place, and so I just let it go. So one day, after this parent jokingly said it to the athletic director, and I will say the athletic director probably didn't like me because I spoke my mind. I said things when I had problems with things, and they don't like that. I never yelled at a screen at them, but when something was wrong, I mentioned it. And they just want to take it easy and just do what they do and be in control. I have trouble with that, only when they're doing something wrong. Anyway, this parent on our side tells jokingly the athletic director that I was biased up there. Somebody thought I was biased. (laughs) And so... Now, I'd done this for a couple of years already, and the athletic director calls me one day. I'm in between my shifts at work, doing my job on the air, on the radio, and the guy calls me up and he says, yeah, Mike, we had a complaint about you being biased as a PA announcer. Now, keep in mind, I don't work for this guy. I'm not getting paid. I'm a parent doing this out of the goodness of my heart because I happen to have this skill set. He says, Yeah, somebody complained you're being biased. And I said, so? He goes, well, we can't have that. I said, I'm a PA announcer for my home team in my home stadium. We have a team that's not doing much to be happy about. I'm going to be biased. That's part of the job. No, it's not. I go, well, then we agree to disagree. And then he said the thing that (laughs) pretty much ended it for me. He said, well, Mike, I just want you to be more professional up there. I go, wait a fucking minute. I've been on the radio for 30 years, and I've been there successfully. I've had some success on radio. You've been an athletic director for two years. You put me in the PA booth, and you tell me you need me to be more professional? I suggest I'm probably more professional at my job that I don't get paid for than you are for getting paid for a lot of money. Well, needless to say, he didn't like that. He said, well, you know, we could get somebody else. I said, you do that. 
As of now, I'm no longer the PA announcer. You get somebody else to do it. He goes, well, it might be hard this short. I said, you said it, pal. I'm doing a favor by doing this PA stuff. For all intents and purposes, you're actually asking me to do extra hours on a job I do all day, every day anyway. So if you don't want me to do it, I'd be just as happy sitting in the crowd, just enjoying the game, not having to talk about it, not having to work, and just watch the goddamn game. I'm happy to do that. There's no ego in this for me. I don't get anything from being the PA guy. I'm just trying to be helpful. If I'm not being helpful, if I'm not being professional enough for you, then get somebody else. So I stopped doing it. And they got somebody else, and... They did pretty much what I did. In fact, they ended up being more <laughs> more biased than I was. That's the only time when I could say I felt comfortable being biased in a position where I was technically broadcasting. But if you were back in the 60s, 70s, even part of the 80s, you could not do that. You would get in trouble. But then things started to change. Everything got to be more tabloid-like. You know, the Inquirer, the Star, those things, all these stupid, crazy stories. And people started to find out, well, there's ratings behind these crazy stories or opinions or even flat out lies. And I don't know for sure, but I think it started with a show called The Current Affair. It was like 1985 or 86 it started. Maury Povich was the uh, host and it was all these fluff, kind of salacious stories that he would give every night on a current affair. It was a very popular show. People loved the shit out of this. It got some great ratings, but they told some pretty weird stories. Now, Maury Povich, you know, is famous for being married to legitimate uh, newscaster Connie Chung, who was very popular at the time. And he also went on later to do the Maury Povich show where he spent most of his time telling people whether they are or not the father of some, some, um, some kid that some woman was having. So Maury was never somebody a hard, that was a hardcore newsman. And I don't think at the time when he started in 1986 that anybody looked at it as he was a hardcore newsman. It was a show. It was fun. It was interesting. It was gossip, and people liked it. But that damn thing got some big, big ratings. Big ratings. It's uh, And people bought into the ratings. And let's be honest, TV channels, TV stations, networks, they don't care about news as much as they do ratings. It all comes down to ratings and money. If you can get more ratings, they'd put a talking donkey on the air. They don't give a shit. So then things started to slide. It becomes less journalistic and more tabloid-like. And that's what we're seeing on the TV news. I mean, around that time in 1986, I got a heavy dose of the difference between journalism and tabloid noise, uh, tabloid news. I was a traffic reporter on the radio. I was watching all these cameras with all the traffic going on. And one day, we had this tragic accident. Two-car crash. Two people died in the crash right in the middle of downtown. It was a tragedy. Back traffic up forever. And uh, two people, one woman, one man, died. In any town, that's a big news story. 
But on that same day, of course, we have all the cameras throughout the freeway system. And for whatever reason, there was a camera on this light pole or this camera pole or whatever it was. And somehow, someway, this squirrel climbed up the pole, I mean, up like 40 feet, and sat on the top. Now, that got on TV. Everybody's going, oh, God, what's going to happen to the squirrel? How is he going to get down? That's crazy. And they're laughing about it, and it's funny, and it's fun. Finally, the squirrel comes down. Everybody cheers. It's, it, it's, it's a great fun. But what troubled me is when I went home that night and I watched the 10 o'clock news, the first story on the 10 o'clock news was that goddamn squirrel climbing up a pole, sitting there, looking goofy, and then sliding back down. That was the first story on the TV news. The two people who died in the middle of downtown in a car crash that caused all kinds of problems and backups didn't even make the newscast. I said, this is ridiculous. This isn't how journalism should be. This isn't even journalism. And at that point in the 80s, that's when it seemed to break to more tabloid than it was actually journalism. And it happened more, and it happened more, and the ratings got bigger, and the ratings got bigger. And then we've completely gotten away from something like journalism. I think 60 Minutes is kind of journalistic, but they still have some issues too because they cover some ridiculous stuff sometimes. Now, the problem with this is if we've got an entire country that is either lied to or has slanted information, we have an entire country that's ill-informed. They don't really know what's going on. In fact, one side thinks something's going on. Another side thinks the other thing's going on. We're seeing it right now with this January 6th Insurrection Commission. They want to have a commission to investigate what's going on. Now, the side that's more common sense or even liberal to a certain extent know that there was an insurrection, that Donald Trump did, in fact, incite this crowd. They did, in fact, charge the U.S. Capitol. They broke in. They were threatening death to Pelosi and Pence. They even shit on the floors and pissed on the walls and all this stuff. That actually happened. We know that because we saw it on camera. We saw everything that happened in this attack, and it was without question an attack. But on the other side of the coin, the Republicans now, because it's not not, uh, expedient for their agenda or the Republican Party, they're saying, oh, no, it didn't happen. It's a bunch of tourists. It's... uh, It was just a sunny day and everybody was having fun. Nobody was violent. Now, these people are saying that in spite of the fact we saw the video. That's what they call gaslighting. And that's what's been happening a lot from the Trump side of things. When something bad happens that will affect them badly, they gaslight you. Oh, no, it didn't happen. It's like little kids in school. Kid punches another kid. Teacher sees it. He says, no, I didn't do it. Now, he knows you saw it, but he figures if he keeps pushing it and keeps pushing it, people will believe it. And the fact of the matter is, they will. And that's why the Republicans and the Newsmaxes and the Foxes continue to do it. It doesn't help their agenda, so they're going to keep gaslighting you until such time that you believe it or it goes away. Now, you see the problem it causes here. We've got people that understand 
an event or a situation or a news story from totally different sides. They don't compare. And even on the liberal side, they might enhance or uh, cause hyperbole with what happened. So we're all confused. We all think our guys that are telling us what happened are right, are true. And it's not, because it's not the facts, not the straight facts. So that confuses the country. And what does that do? It divides us. It's divisive. Yes, Trump and the Republicans, and then you've got the Democrats, are divided because they have totally different views of what's going on. But you notice that in the last four years, politics has played more a role in our lives. I mean, when I'd go out and see friends, they might be Republicans, they might be Democrats. We never talked about that because it didn't matter. We had our own history. We had our own fun together and our own experiences. But now that this has come up and now it's become so divisive, now it impacts our lives and our relationships. We lose some relationships because one guy is Republican and the other guy is Democrat. That never really happened before. They'd argue, they'd debate, but it would never divided families and friends, but it is now. And I really believe the media adds to that. They add to that divisiveness because they're not doing their job, the news people anyway. What they're doing is spinning their own story in their own direction so they can get ratings and they can support the side that they believe are their guys. So when people say the media is at fault, I agree absolutely. Absolutely agree that the media is at fault, at least partially, in the troubles we're seeing today. And honestly, I don't know how to fix that necessarily because these are all private organizations. They can do what they like. And as long as people start keep, keep consuming this garbage, they're going to continue to do it because they continue to make money. So the only real answer is that the country becomes smarter, more discerning about facts and information, throws away their agendas, and tries to really get a good look at what's going on, whether it helps your party or not. And you know what? That's not going to happen. So we're going to have to deal with this situation as best we can. The media is at fault. The political parties, both Democrats and Republicans, are at fault. And what happens is we all pay the price because we're confused, we don't know the facts, and it's constantly divisive. It's one of those problems that need to be fixed but I'm not sure how you fix it. And if we do find a way to fix it, it's going to take time because it's become part of culture. We need to somehow ease out of this whole thing, this whole tabloid news thing, to get back to facts and information that allow us to make our own choices. If you and I disagree based on knowing the facts the same way, that's fine. But there are certain things that are hidden from people that are the facts, and that doesn't allow them to make a real choice. Either that or they're not willing to make a real choice because they'd rather just game and gaslight just to get what they want. It's a troubling situation, and I will agree that the media is just as culpable as anybody else in this country right now. They are not doing us justice by the things they are doing. 
I wanted to talk briefly about the uh, transportation bill. Now, this is an interesting situation. Joe Biden wants to uh, take $2 trillion and put it into our infrastructure. Now, if you talk to the Republicans, they aren't having this. They were all for giving $2 trillion to the rich for no reason at all. But spending money when it comes to the infrastructure, they have a problem with it. One of the problems they have is that it's not infrastructure. Because to them, infrastructure is just roads and highways and that, bridges and that sort of thing. But we have to look at the world in 2021. There's more to the infrastructure. One of the most valuable resources we have in this country to keep this country running are the people in it. If we can't keep the people up and running, you don't have a country anymore. It's just as bad or worse as having a bridge in ill repair. Ill repair. But the Republicans don't like that. But do they not like it because they don't understand the value in, 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 in wideband and, and, and people and that sort of thing? Or do they just not like it because it's a Democratic bill? Well, we know what's true. We know that Mitch McConnell in the Senate has said, no matter what they come up with, we're just shutting them down. That's what he did to Obama. Now, that's what he's doing to Biden. That's what they did to the Democrats all through the Trump administration. There were 500 Democratic bills sitting on his desk. He never even brought them up for vote. Mitch McConnell's only job in the Senate in government is to be an obstructionist. Doesn't matter what the bill is, if it's good or bad or indifferent. It's his job to shut it down. That's what he believes. Now, unfortunately, taking that tact ends up taking away things from us, things that this country may need. You can't say that everything Democratic, uh, a bill that they present, is bad because that's not the case. That's definitely not the case. But it, it, doesn't, it doesn't push their agenda along, so they're just shutting it down. They don't want Democrats to have success. But that's totally contradictory of the job he has. The job is to get in there, compromise, work together, cross the aisle, and get some things done for America. By doing what he does, nothing gets done. Now, Joe Biden on this infrastructure bill wants uh, bipartisanship, and I understand that. There are two reasons why he wants that. It's going to make it stick longer. It looks better to the public, and he has one sticking point. Representative Manchin from Virginia or West Virginia, wherever he's from. And he is a Democrat, but he sides with the Republicans. He's very conservative. So with a 50-50 split in the Senate, he is a linchpin on whether we get something done. Now, Manchin, even though he only represents a few people comparatively, he wants it to be bipartisan. Now, in normal situations, when there was a, if there was a wider margin in the uh, in the Senate, he wouldn't even be important. But he is now. He's got some power, and he's exercising that power. And he wants it to be bipartisan. Okay? He's got to go back to his people and explain why they went with a liberal thing when they should be more conservative. He's just covering his ass, covering his bases, trying to get reelected like all of them. So Joe Biden has to play the game and try to make it bipartisan. But we know Mitch McConnell has no interest in being bipartisan. All he has an interest in is being obstructionists. 
So we end up wasting a lot of time just to appease this representative mansion and even uh, cinema. So he has to go through this process, prove that they aren't willing to be bipartisan, the Republicans, and then go to Joe and say, Joe, I tried, man. Now let's get with this and get this done. You can't let this not get done. And that's the process we're in right now with Joe Biden. But one of the troubles I have with the Democrats, they keep getting fooled. They're like Charlie Brown kicking the football when Lucy's holding it. Each and every time she holds the ball, she goes, go ahead, kick it. He runs up, she pulls the ball away, he falls on his back. That's what happens to Democrats. They go in, in good faith, and negotiate a deal for a bill, and then they still don't vote for it, the Republicans. They ask them to tear down certain parts of the bill so that they agree to it, and then they don't vote on it. The main part of a negotiation is everybody gets something. They compromise. I get this, you get that. I'll give away this if you give me that. That's how it works. But the Republicans don't work in good faith. They ask you to stop things, take away things, compromise. But when it comes to their side of the, 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 the situation, they, they don't comply. So the point is, why do you sit and negotiate with people who aren't going to work in good faith, who aren't really going to compromise. It seems like a huge waste of time. Now, Joe Biden knows that. The Democrats know that. But they do it to appease this representative mansion because they have to now, because he plays a big role in this 50-50 split. It's kind of annoying, ultimately, to see this happen. And that's why I've always thought the only... um, only answer to this situation is in 2022. We've got to get a lot more Democrats in the Senate so Manchin doesn't have as much power. It's sad that you got one guy who kind of leans right, even though he's a Democrat, can control whether a Democratic Party can succeed. But again, more importantly, what it comes down to is it isn't about who's Republican or who's Democrat. When this kind of situation happens, Nothing gets done. Now, you have to agree there's plenty that needs to get done in this country. Infrastructure is probably the number one thing. This is something that was supposed to have been done 20 years ago. This is something Donald Trump promised to do for four years, and it never happened. We've got bridges deteriorating. We've got highways falling apart. We've got plumbing. We've got electrical. We've got all kinds of things that are old and starting to fail, which means hurting us, causing us problems. So as much as the Democrats want what they want, the Republicans want what they want, and never the two shall meet, that means nothing gets done for us. And that is the whole point of having Congress or Senate, to get things done for us get it done in the best way, most efficient way, and get it done. But now nothing is getting done. And therein lies the problem. How do we get beyond that? The one thing I will say about Joe Biden, he spent many, many years in the Senate. He knows the game. He knows the angles. He knows how to negotiate. And as much as he looks like your, your old grandpa, I think he's kind of tough too. 
He knows how to leverage things and people, and he will do it. He's really got four years to get this done. I don't see him running for re-election. So he's going to pull out the stops and try to get all of these things done. Unfortunately, he has to give the appearance that he's being bipartisan, being a nice guy, and uh, up until the time when he's proving that the Republicans want no part of it. They don't want to be bipartisan. They just want to obstruct. Once he gets the Democrats, and especially Manchin, to believe that, then he can push forward. Unfortunately, by doing this, having to do this, it wastes a lot of time, and it's that much longer before the country gets the help it needs. That's the one thing about politics that upsets me. It's very slow-moving. Obama said that once. You start something, and then it's three or four years down the line before it actually happens. Everything moves slowly. But we're in a different situation now. We have a president who's probably going to be one term. We have a lot of problems now. They've all come to a head, and they have to be addressed from COVID to infrastructure to the economy. So now it's a tight situation. This all has to be done quickly, which is out of character for government, and it has to be done right, which is hard to do when you've got one side that doesn't want to do anything. So I think what we're going to see is we're going to see some unprecedented things. Yes, Joe is trying to do this uh, uh, bipartisan, and if that doesn't work, they're going to go after the filibuster. But again, you have to appease Manchin because he's against stopping the filibuster. The filibuster is just a joke. It was originally put in in, in order to uh, to thwart um, black people back around the Civil War and after the Civil War and Joe, Jim Crow and all that stuff. There's no reason for it. This is a democracy. Majority rules. You shouldn't have to get a supermajority of 60 to pass a law when 51 is the majority. So they need to get rid of the filibuster, and how they're going to do that, I don't know. But I will say this. If anybody can get it done based on experience and history and knowledge, it's going to be Joe Biden. And that's why I think that once this is all said and done, Joe Biden's going to do some unprecedented things. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not a huge Joe Biden supporter. I wasn't behind him running for president. I thought he was too old. But now he's here. He beat Donald Trump. That was the first step. And now we're seeing him taking action. And while it might appear as though he's appeasing the Democrats by wanting to be bipartisan, in fact, he's just playing the game. He knows what the game is. He knows what everybody's thinking. He just has to play it right to get what he wants. And I think that's where we're headed. So if you're frustrated about this, join the crowd. We're all frustrated. But you got to kind of trust in the president in this situation because he's the only one that can break this, this uh, logjam and get some things done. He's our only hope right now, so we got to count on him. we got to support him. And we got to get the infrastructure deal done because it's not only troubling for this country, it's dangerous for this country. I live in Minnesota. Remember when the 35W bridge just collapsed? People were hurt. People were killed. It upset the city. It was a tragedy. I happened to be in Washington, D.C. when that happened out with my family. I got a call. I go, oh, you've got to be kidding me. 
That kind of thing can happen anywhere. We're seeing it now with another bridge in this country having problems and cracks. This is dangerous. This isn't about politics. This isn't about agenda. This is about attending to the things this country needs to ensure the safety of each one of us. So at this point, what we can do is trust in Joe to play the game, run the game, and hopefully win the game ultimately. Well, it's about that time. I'm going to get going. You have yourself a great day. I will be talking to you shortly. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.